Hey, what is up, guys, and welcome to the second episode of the uh, Collectors Company podcast. Today, we're joined by myself, John, Benny, Will, and Jesse. Uh, Glenn will be joining us in a little bit. It's just that um, he's just running a little bit late, but that's all good. He'll be joining us partway through the um, the cast. But um, yeah, how are we all doing today, boys? How are we going? Awesome. Yeah, good. Doing great. Good. <laughs> well. That's good. That's all good to hear. So, um, yeah, it's been a week since our last podcast. Thanks to thanks to everyone who watched it. Uh, it's just, like people are watching it and uh, we're hearing pe- uh, feedback in real life as well. Like people saying it was good to listen to. It felt like some good insights. That's really great that to hear that people are enjoying it. And we hope um the rest of you guys um that we haven't had the chance to speak to are enjoying it as well. And um if you are interested in our opinions, feel free to leave a comment on a certain like question you want to ask one of the guys, just a topic you want us to discuss. So we have like you know something to talk about in later episodes that might interest you. But um, I think this week we have the U.S. Nationals coming up um, in a couple of days, actually. So that's going to be fairly exciting. So we're going to go over some decks that we think will be do that will do really well, and maybe some players to keep your eyes out on. Obviously, we know like amazing players like Marcel Russell, Justin Rios, all of them will be competing. So it'll be really a fun event to watch. So um, starting off with you today, well, what do you what do you reckon is going to be like the big thing about the U.S. Nationals? What what's like your big thought going into it? Because it is also a bit awkward because um americans yeah. have only had the the new set for i think a couple of days so what do you think going yeah. into it i think the interesting thing to see here is how exactly because this is as you say this is a unique meta of new sets coming in yes the good players are going to have the cards but the not having the cards for some like the more mid-tier players or some of the more budget players is going to influence deck choice and i think that's going to be interesting so I think we are just mostly not going to see too many set uh, 15 decks and more set 14 decks that have been upgraded with set 15 cards. Yeah, that sounds about right. What do you think, Bernie? Do you agree with Will? Or... Yeah, pretty much. Like, honestly, like, based on testing, none of the set 15 decks seem really relevant. I mean, Finn is a sleeper pick. Maybe Carver is that second. And most of the cards are archetype-based as well. But honestly, I think from what I've seen, like most of the main players from the big teams, they've all got their cards already. Obviously, like speaking of like PPG, FOE, they they all sponsored players. They've all got their cards, you know. They've already opened their cases. Like I've already heard like good stuff about that. So I think having the cards is not a problem for the players who are actually going to nationals because I know a lot of the players are already like, making the effort to like you know either drive there, take a plane there, taking time off. So I'm sure. They will try to play the decks that they want to play, you know, like regardless of how much it is. So, yeah, yeah. I think I think it'll be a, I think it'll be a great event. Definitely looking forward to it. Yeah, it'll be very exciting. It's been a long time since it feels like a very high stakes tournament's happened, especially like in real life as well. So it's gonna be really fun to watch. Um, yeah, I'm bound to agree with both of you guys. It does feel like that. Um, even let's even now in hindsight, saying that the cards were released a bit more in advance, I do think that the archetypes. We even discussed this last week that the archetypes are fairly lacking. But um, uh, of course, there's a bunch of standout staple SR cards, and even some of the SCRs that will I think you'll be seeing a lot in top card in the event. Mm. Uh, the event. That's my prediction. I think um, probably the most notable one that everyone is everyone's hyping up for um, um, Pan um, Zeno, the guest character that we all really wanted. Everyone's really excited <laughs> for. <laughs> so I think that card will be making a splash in a lot of aggro decks, as well as um, in yellow as well for mono yellow. Saying this, we're talking about tools and um, the Goku's great card. Plenty of great staples um, going forward. Um. Back on the point of like some plays though, what are you um what are some of the plays you guys are excited to see playing um America um just playing the American Nats? I think two people I am very excited to see are uh, my boy from Canada, Eric Saletto. I'm sorry if I said his last name wrong, but we've been um good mates that I actually got to meet in um 2018 Nationals when I went over there. He's a great bloke. He always does really well, so I'm keen to see if he will um nice. you know live up to his the expectations he set for himself. And also um Michael Legends because he always plays Invoker. I'm curious to see if he will play Invoker again. And uh, speaking of Glenn, uh, <laughs> Glenn just rocked off. How are you doing, Glenn? Speaking of legends, Glenn's here. Yeah, speaking yeah, of legends, you know. <laughs> Welcome in, Glenn. Welcome. Uh, that's too nice. Yeah. yeah. Just in time, yeah. So uh, I'll ask you this question as well, Glenn, since you just joined. Um, we're talking about um, what we think, um, what American nationals will look like the first week. Do you have any just like general thoughts, uh, you know, might be happening? Or like, what are your thoughts going into the event scenes that I've only had the set for a day or a couple of days? Um, I don't yeah i don't necessarily think that there'll be too many massive changes from um most of the lists that have going around i think obviously there are a few srs uh, and staple cards that we discussed last week that might end up making an appearance but i think the the top decks are still more than likely or the the most represented decks i should say will still most likely be things like cell surge icarus soul striker um uh, goji the tenor those those sort of four or five decks will be 
the big chunk, I imagine. Um, but I think once we hit top cut, I wouldn't be surprised to see a few kind of little rogue rogue decks in there as well. Um, yeah, I was just I was just going to say um, a lot of people were complaining about the choice to do Nats after the release yeah. of Sand Showdown, but you know you you want the newest cards in there, like you want to see you know you want to see what people can conjure up. Like it, it would it wouldn't have it would be a little bit boring to me if it was sort of the same meta for multiple months leading into Nats. Like yeah, it might be ideal for you know testing and people like getting access to the cards in fairness but like you can get you can get the cards if you're really desperate for them it might cost you a bit more but you know you want to you want to see the new stuff in there so i support that decision to do it after the set drop yeah i um i agree with that as well because um even historically speaking um they've always released products before big events as well like i think the biggest one was when um draft the first like unique draft box came out there's so many like money cards that were out there like the same instincts and raiders warcry that everyone had to like dump their wallets for, so that makes sense. Like, you know, Banner's gonna make their bank, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, you you were gonna say something more? Um, yeah, just I guess the main concern with this one is one, they've been a little bit inconsistent. Europe's getting the set a lot earlier in comparison to their nationals than America is, and they're not having the new set, which is an interesting choice. And the set was already delayed there, so I think that's where a lot of the uh, the the consternation is coming in there. Which fair enough, but as you say, better players will get their eyes on the cards, hands on the cards, and it'll be interesting to see how they've been able to test using resources like Untap, like Proxy, and see what they come up with. Yeah, of course, of course. Anyways, back to the topic that John was talking yeah. about before. Like, let me slide the names that I think would probably we should look out for. Uh, first one probably being uh, Robert Ritzy. So he is actually famous for playing uh, aggressive decks. So he likes all sorts of aggro decks. He likes to end games on turn two, turn three, you know. So I hopefully he, hopefully he comes up with something creative like that I might be able to like you know use the idea off as well. So yeah, definitely looking forward to see what uh, he's yeah, got yeah. in store for nationals. Yeah, and, and also <laughs> uh, honestly we'll get we'll talk more about net deck later. It's actually a strategy as well. So. Um, yeah. Anyways, uh, the second player that I probably think that I'll be on the lookout for is probably Brian Samuel because he is the current defending champion. He is, he is. For US, just like John is for uh, Australia, OCE, for those that don't know. So, yeah, Brian Samuel always comes up with a bit of rogue decks as well. So, look forward to seeing what spicy stuff he will come up with as well. So, yeah. Yeah, I think the they're both like two just insanely good players. So I think I think the biggest thing about America, like obviously the majority of the players are American, so you have all the all the best players will be in America, and it's just really great to see just high quality play, which we'll definitely be seeing this weekend, which is going to be pretty exciting. There are heaps of good players in the US, like so many names that like we haven't even like barely gone through like one percent of the list. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Do you, Glenn and Will, do you guys have anyone you got your eyes out for seeing like you know? Any plays in particular, or just like just kind of want to see the decks they end up topping? So I've got a couple. So there's Legends, as you say, yep. Danny Nguyen as well. Of course, two incredibly, oh, skilled, yes. two incredibly skilled control players. I'm a control player myself, where I generally am, so I obviously like to see what they're doing in the same way Benny likes to see what uh, Ritzy's doing. But another player I'm interested to see, actually, and a bit of a weird one, is Peter Catani. Really? Now, okay. Okay, so, so the reason is this. Peter Katani was a reasonably competitive player for a while. He got he had to step away from the scene due to uh, personal and interpersonal reasons. He's stepping back in now, and I'm interested to see is he just going to be you know memeing about a bit, having a bit of fun with it? There have been jokes about him playing announcer, or is he actually going to do some like seriously interesting things? Because I think players like that, where they've got a proven history of skill, but you don't know where they're at now, are always very very interesting to watch. Yeah, I'm going to talk with Peter since I actually had the opportunity, since we're both on uh, PPG for yeah. a little bit, I actually had the opportunity to like talk to him a lot, and um, yeah, I think it wouldn't surprise me if Peter makes a splash, I wouldn't, mm. I'm not confident that he would top cut, unfortunately, but I do think yeah. like, whatever deck he piles, is like, he always makes really well-crafted decks, like the, the combos he actually like manages to come up with in the game is like very powerful, and it's always been like standout yeah. combos that do generally like bleed out into other decks and a lot of people do actually copy some of his like ideas as well so uh, it is true that um it'll be exciting to see what he comes up with because yeah. that could be like a very like pivotal like combination of cards that just mm. ends up being like the best combo maybe it just depends on who's yeah. playing it he's a very good engine builder he's a very good engine builder yes <laughs> what about you glenn you got anyone you want to see win or 
really follow the US scene um, that much, but I think I wouldn't be surprised to see one or both of the Hill Twins in the top. Um, I don't know if you guys mentioned them, but they sort of consistently seem to be um, in most of the events, whenever I see like top cut lists and who's there, they always seem to be there or thereabouts, like they're the bubble or they get in. Yeah. Um, and I guess I'd like to see myself being a green player. I'd love to see someone like Devin Butterworth getting up because I know yeah. that he's like the, <laughs> yes. the green king from America. Yes. Um, so that'd be cool. I feel like he's going to play King Cold, but you never know. He might be on something else. Um, and yeah. then his, his buddy, Dehan, um, the yes. old Janemba. <laughs> Janimba. player. Yeah, I think like those guys, I, they're all great players, and I think I wouldn't be surprised to see any of them top cut, but yeah, uh, probably hard to beat Brian Samuel. I think, and Marquise McKinney, I think he's supposed to be pretty good. Yeah, he's pretty good. There's a lot of like really standout American players. Again, back to the point I make before, these are the guys that like, you know, put the most yeah. effort in, so it makes sense that they're like, wow, that looks like amazing when they play. And it's, you know, they're also like the big voices of the community as well. It's like if they're, if they're saying something, a lot of people listen, right? So it makes sense. Oh, so why yeah. it's going to be exciting. Um, well, also, enough. actually, yep. while we're speaking of players, I'll give one more honourable mention. I generally do really like Andrew Duval's, uh mm. Yeah, yes, Andrew but... Duval is crazy. That team, I think it's University Z or Z? Yeah, I believe so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, they have, like, really, like, actually really great players that left um, PPG and FOE, and they just, like, Andrew Duval, um, John, I can't say his last name, the Jonathan guy. But um, they always make like crazy decks, and they always do really well. So it would be so it would be pretty cool to see like some of them make the distance as well. So man, it's gonna be a crazy weekend, like for sure. If you're a DBS fan, does anyone say Justin Rios? Actually, um, okay, yeah, wait. I said Justin. Oh, yeah, Rios. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's pretty yeah, good at sure. this game. Well, like, he might be the favorite to win, like you know. Probably. Yes, like, is insane. I actually got the honor. I actually versed Justin Rios when I was in 2018. Nats. It was one two. He did beat me. All right, it was close though. It went all three games. But his deck counted my deck. That's why. It was back yeah, when I was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, was actually I was playing Miljanimba and he was playing Cell Hand Destruction. It was doomed. Dude. Oh, it was so doomed. Brutal. I took one game. We take those. The bad matchup. We take those. <laughs> But anyway, oh, yeah. speaking of annoying decks, one thing we'll be talking about as well is decks that we think will make the distance. Obviously, it's one thing to be amazing at this at this game, right? All these great pilots we mentioned. It's also another thing just to play like the best deck. It helps you so much. Like, just if you're a ten out of ten player with a ten out of ten deck, that's probably a pretty good combination. So, um, we'll start yeah. off with uh, you, Will. What is the deck? What are a couple of decks that you think will make it like deep into the mm -hmm. tournament? Okay, so I guess if I sort of had to pick like roughly a top five, I'd say Cell Zeno is probably a pretty good pick, although we didn't see any top cut in a recent event. That deck's not changing that much, so I guess I want to see how that goes. Gogeta Zeno, very powerful as well. Sorry, did I say Cell Zeno? I meant Cell Surge. Uh, Gogeta Zeno, very powerful aggro deck. There'll be some sort of blue pile there, most likely Soul Striker. I guess maybe SS3 if somebody figures out how to crack that. Probably a yellow pile, Icarus, maybe Golden Freezer, fingers crossed on that last one. And uh, then I think probably Red Broly is a pretty pretty decent pick as well here. I think I'm just getting a bit of steam behind it. It's probably the strongest red deck coming into this. Yeah, I think the big thing about Red Broly is that just you play Red Broly and inherently has just some matchups that are like quote-unquote free. It's just like, yeah. some matchups, like, yeah, it struggles into certain matchups as well, and a good player knows how to play around Red Broly, but you just get free wins from just playing the deck. You literally just chill and playing Solitaire. It's a good time. Yeah. <laughs> this is the uh, Red Broly swap deck, to, to be clear for any list. It's not the new Red Broly with all the extra cards, which I don't think is the strong. That deck will win for sure. No, yeah, <laughs> no chance, yeah. no chance. <laughs> yeah, uh, what about you, Benny? What are some of your, your picks? What, what's on Mr. Mister Zhang's radar? Uh, just uh, recapping on what Will said, I think, yeah, I agree that the top five best decks. So just to recap, like, yeah, Cell Surge, uh, Soul Striker, Red Broly, Icarus, and Gogeta Zen. They're arguably the best five decks at the moment. So some, I reckon some really good decks, like, I think that people are actually sleeping on. Like, I think Cooler Mill. Yes, I agree. Okay. Yep. Pretty, 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 pretty good. Uh, Launch is actually pretty, pretty good as well. So, I mean, and also Sin Shenron is actually really good. Uh, mm -hmm. I, did play that, I did play at Locals, and I know some local boys yeah. that play it as well. Is really is good, so. Yellow sin, to be clear. Yeah, yellow oh, sin. Yeah. yeah, yellow yellow sin is very good. Black is, black yeah. sin is not real. <laughs> it is real. not. It is not. But <laughs> not I thought real. maybe Benny sees something spicy. No. Yeah, honestly, no. I, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, one of the hill twins actually continue playing uh, yellow sin because one of I don't know if it was Eric or Eon, but one of them has been playing uh, the yellow sin hmm. for quite a while. So I think like these three decks are actually really really good. So like 
if you want, don't want to pick the best five deck, like I strongly would consider these three if you have the cards and build the deck. Yeah, I think it's really good. I think it's a good pick. Yeah. I think Sin's a unique pick because it's kind of like, even though it is a yellow deck, one some people kind of say it's to an extent its own color because there's so many archetype exclusive cards that you have to run in that deck. Like your deck is looking like 30 plus cards is just purely to the Sin engine where it's like, oh, if you go in the aggro build, you have to run the ball, the dragon, etc., etc. If you go in like a more control build, you play the uh, big Sin that stuns the leader and like, you know, borderline cold blood, stuff like that. So um, it's kind of like its own color to an extent. You wouldn't, it does run the yellow staples, of course, but it does kind of feel like its own thing to an extent. But um, yeah, I do agree. It is a very powerful deck. It is essentially just like kind of new dark Broly in a way, where it's like kind of just slams 30k beat sticks and you're just chilling, you know, yeah. just swinging, you know, 30k and he negates that yeah. damage. It's kind of like that. Yep, absolutely. What about, yeah. what about you, Glenn? What is, what is on Mr. Glenn's radar? Yeah, I mean, like the the decks that have been listed, I definitely agree with. Um, we'll agree. Red Broly, <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's like, it's pretty straightforward. I think the, the sort of premier decks are mostly cut and dry, but I think Red Broly, Red Broly, I think potentially can suffer into the Zeno Gogeta matchup, most specifically because of the Kai of Time negate that um, negates an attack and warps a card. Because that can really like just wreak havoc with the the Broly chain when they're around the four or the five drop specifically. Yeah. Um, and because both decks are kind of just trying to steamroll the other one by turn two or three, like if you can interrupt their their chain for one energy and then uh, hit them with a pretty solid clap back, like you can do a lot of work, I think. And um, depending on the build of the Gogeta Zeno, you can kind of get under like violent rays and stuff. So unless they're playing maybe King Vegeta's imposing presence and stuff like that. I mean, maybe you side that. I don't know if you'd main deck it in, mm. in Red Broly. But um, yeah, I think that could, if you get unlucky in Swiss and you just run into a couple of Gogeta Zenos early, maybe you just lose out. But um, the other red deck, actually, someone played at Locals tonight, is King Piccolo. It's actually still Piccolo. pretty good. Okay. Um, yeah, like it... Obviously, them having the limit on drum, I think, is one thing. But um, the way that they're able to sort of manipulate their life, awaken, and then just start rejuvenating back up whilst putting on a lot of pressure is actually really, really big. And um, they can go super wide. And I think at the moment, most most decks or most of the top five that were sort of listed aren't necessarily built to handle really go wide decks like yeah. decks that go tall you can interrupt you can like block you can negate you can get around a lot of stuff um but the decks that are just going super wide um yeah unless you're sort of seeing the floodgate negates i think you can actually kind of get punished by it so yeah. that could be another a pick interesting yeah because i think obviously a lot of people um, with the nerfs to, uh, like, King Piccolo, with mainly the two, like, limits to one of the new ruler, as well as drum, like, people weren't really wanting to play the deck as much as it was two of, like, literally the two best cards in the deck to an extent. So it's very interesting that you think that's going to be a maybe good rogue pick. It could catch people off guard, because, like, what ends up happening is, like, these old, like, broken decks back in the day, people will just forget how good they were. And obviously, like, as you were saying, it is a very go-wide strategy. And also draws a ton of cards. Like, even without, like, drum, drum's like, yeah, it stops an attack. Like, you just draw infinite cards with the, uh, it's Tambourine, yeah? The one that just... Draw the card. Yeah. yeah, that's the one. You just go go to town drawing cards. That's a pretty interesting pick. I like that. That's cool. Yeah, because the tambourine you can like it's what it's twenty k jewel attack, right? So you can swing with it the first time, and then you combo it off and play uh, the other one from your life and get another. Yeah, I think it's. Oh, I can't remember all the names. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I believe it's the one draw. Uh, actually, John's talking about symbol. I'm talking symbol. about symbol. There sorry, sorry. I'm just. Saying, they're they're all they're all the same. They're all demon clan. They're all green. I'm so sorry. It's like, <laughs> this is before they're all the, the, the mechins in the show. That's my bad. That's my bad. Yeah, that's all, <laughs> all the cards are all the cards are good though. Symbol, tambourine, drum. You know, they're, they're all good family. You know, I like yeah, family, family, yeah. demon clan family, dude. And there's been the whole yeah. band. Yep. But because the format's just so wide open, like I think it's it's. I was talking about it tonight at locals, but I think it's just too hard to try and main deck for everything. So. Yeah, you just gotta hope that you sort of luck into decent matchups throughout the Swiss and, and see how you go. Yeah, one thing I want to talk about, um, sort of different, not along the competitive strain, but so I reckon this event, Dragon Ball was building up a lot of steam before COVID hit. And <clears throat> I think this game is actually desperate for an event like Nats this weekend where, you know, it can sort of just 
you can just show off the game like you know it's it's we just it, i think the game's going to boom after this like you get i think we'll get a big influx of new players it'll like it's it's just made for big events like this you know big combos leader swings like you know the the nostalgia like a lot of people i think it's just this is going to be great for the game this sort of event and it's a real shame that like it just we were really building up steam they had a lot of i'm sure bandai had a lot of plans for you know for big events for worlds like all sorts of stuff and covid like stopped it you know, hit, hit a brick wall and i know a lot of games suffered as well but i think we suffered you know more than anyone and like this game it's you know it's it, it'll it'll really shine with these big in-person events and um I'm I'm really disappointed that the Australians don't get to um, share in that experience, but because um, probably we could use the boost as well here. But yeah, I think um, the game. Yeah, this is going to be going to be really good for the game this weekend. I can't wait. It'll be pretty yeah. exciting. I think everyone's like just looking forward to this. Like again, I was saying before, it's like it feels like it's the first like really big high stakes event we've had in a long time. It's also the first time um, since 2019 that Bandai's given away gold cards for prizing. There wasn't any of that. Mm. Um, during any other event so it just feels like it's that time to play dbs and i do agree with what jesse was saying it's like yes it's one of these big explosive moments you want to be able to like randomly like not randomly but be able to push through combo your whole hand it's like is it enough it is i win that's it it's like, that's very <laughs> yeah. exciting yeah yeah um well yeah i suppose we'll um we'll jump into the question i had for you guys sure. so so just say just a hypothetical scenario yeah you're playing this weekend you you walk into the room for your first round. What is the deck that you least want to be facing first up? Something that could you know sack you for a quick loss and just tilt you for the rest of the day. You know I know it can depend on the matchup, but is there anything you guys would personally want to avoid seeing? Uh, start with start with Benny. Oh, honestly, I want to avoid Red Broly because uh, <laughs> if, if if they if they high roll and you don't see the answer, see you later, bro. <laughs> like that's. Pretty much it, yeah. Red Broly is very, very impressive. I, I do think, yeah, once, if they high roll and they see everything they need, and you don't, then, yeah, I think that is it. That could be pretty yeah, yeah. John, what do you reckon? I think for me, like, personally, it's never... I My least favourite matchup to play is a mirror match. I would... Like, I sometimes deliberately True. pick decks. I, like, even, let's just say now it's the same leader, but I'll pick a different archetype for my deck. Just to avoid the mirror match, I do not have fun playing the mirror match at all. Because it's kind of like, oh, uh, we both know what we're going to do, we both know what the other one's trying to do, etc, etc. So it kind of just feels like sometimes just decide on, like, who sees the cards at the right time. As, or it's like, oh, you went first, you just wouldn't do that with Knife. Is it real? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like that. <laughs> Will, what do you reckon? Mill, probably, whether it be Janemba, Cooler, Blacks, okay, maybe not that last one, but, uh, yeah. yeah, those sort of mill decks, they generally tend to punish the sort of, like, slower, dawdlier, draw-a-bunch-of-cards style of decks that I play, so... And the worst part is, I always feel like I get really close in that game, but I've actually been losing for miles for 20 minutes. Yep. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, Glenn? Yeah, I think Mirrors, like John said, are generally pretty annoying, because you can play or feel like you've played basically perfectly but if you don't happen to see the the card at the right time and i mean like any game goes like that right it doesn't necessarily happen just in a mirror like it can happen any any, any matchup you've got like one out that you need you're, you're running two or three copies of it and you just cannot draw into it for the life of you and it's just not going your way um it's never a good time so i think like if I'm potentially going to play Cell Surge, which I think is the way I'm leaning still, um, a Cell Surge mirror match is not going to be fun at all. Like, we'll just be both sitting there looking at each other with zero cards in hand going, uh, leader, swing, <laughs> cool, skip, skip yeah. charge, uh, swing leader, your turn. <laughs> like, yeah, that won't be fun for anyone. Yeah, I didn't think about the... I actually didn't think about the mirror matchup when I when I was thinking about asking that question. Yeah, that's, um, that's really interesting that you guys said that. I could imagine... Um, just the yeah i think the mental side of that would be would be tricky yeah because like sometimes like it just feels rough when it's like it, you can get a bad matchup right but as we were saying before this meta is so wide and so diverse like even if a even if a certain matchup is like oh you could even though that deck is favored you can actually still win like if you're just the better player and of course if you see the right cards at the right time and so on and so forth but when it's just like oh damn i'm playing the same deck it's just like it kind of just turns it's not an exciting game as well it's like oh okay whatever it's just less fun yeah. when you like you think about like yeah. you know, when you think about like uh, oh there you go benny you go 
Uh, I was gonna say I agree. I remember playing on the online webcam regional. I was like, because I just like I decided uh, to play uh, Higher Dragon at Icarus last minute, and the first game I go into, I see Ryan's name. I'm like, oh, okay, so I'm versing Ryan. I know he's a really good player, and I'm like, oh, great. And then when we open the webcam. We're both playing um, Higher Dragon. I'm like, oh man. I was like, yeah. I guess the yeah, mirror match can be very um, annoying sometimes. Yeah. But yeah. I agree. I agree. Um, another, th another thing, like, just with this as well, um, yeah, it just, it just feels bad. This is all it is. It just feels boring, <laughs> man. It's like, you think back, it's like, alright, end of the day, you're finished. Oh, okay, I spent the whole day playing Devious. What matchups did I have? Oh, I just played six mirror matches. And then my one <laughs> other game was just an unfavorable matchup. Bullshit. It just, just doesn't feel good for everyone, but that's why, like, I think in this minute it would be, like, amazing as well, even though it is so diverse. You're very... Except for maybe if you're playing the top five decks we were talking about before, I think you're very unlikely to have a mirror match. Well, not unlikely, it's not impossible, but I'd say it's like maybe like 10% chance of a mirror match, 10 to 20, if you're not playing one of the, the king decks, I guess the top five. Yeah, in 2019, I think there was only three people playing my leader at that event, so my chances <laughs> of getting a mirror match were pretty low. But yeah, I think um, in terms of feels bad, one of the things I hate about playing like unfavorable matchups is when you, you play it out and you... No, like you you sort of count back through your turns and you think about decisions you made on each turn and how you played it and you know that you did not make a single bad decision and you did not like make a single bad play for the whole game and you still couldn't win that's what actually drives me crazy about getting a bad matchup because i'm like i know i played it i played everything perfectly i did everything exactly right and i just couldn't win because i just can't in the matchup that's the that's the frustrating thing about wide open formats because if you just like flip a coin and get those bad matchups early in your in your day of Swiss, your whole event can just be like out the door. Yeah. Exactly. Part of a big run as well, like, is like what you verse on the day. It's like you might get yeah. the worst slot, but if you get a good good run, it's like easy matchup, easy matchup. You're chilling, you're cruising. <laughs> it's like on yeah, exactly. Heaps of luck yeah. is required actually to win an event. Like nearly everything has to go right. Like dice rolls. I don't know you have to go through like what nine rounds, seven rounds. Like I think I think uh, yeah. America is not doing nine rounds, I believe, in Swiss, and then they're yeah. also doing a top top cut as well. So you imagine winning that. Like it's yeah, such a be, cool. it feels so good. Like, it's such um, a grind, yeah. Yeah, like especially like for the two day events, like it's actually insanely OP because how it usually works is that. Um, if you're a higher seed than your opponent going into like top cut, you get to pick who goes first or second. Oh no, I think that changes so you always get to go first, right? But you yeah, want to go first majority of the yeah. time anyway. You're like oh, that's fine, whatever. Like it's insanely OP. I've had the like um, luxury of being able to be first seed going into like a couple of events. It just feels so broken. I'm playing an aggro deck, dude, and I'm going first every game. I'm chilling. <laughs> I'm just chilling every game. <laughs> feels so good. Yeah, I what? think um, like that that 2019, I was undefeated at the end of Swiss and you were, so we ended up playing against each other in the last round of Swiss. Yep. And then four drop Kale as a card and I just didn't have a chance. But um sorry, I'm sorry, Glenn. <laughs> that <laughs> day that day I legit had like nine cards in my fifteen card sideboard specifically for one matchup, which was for the Janemba Mill. And I didn't actually play Janemba Mill once in Swiss. Oh, well. yeah. So, you know, yeah. if you if you just get lucky like I did, I lost every dice roll, which was karma for not playing a Janemba, but um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I didn't end up basically siding for the whole two-day event all the way to, like, the, the top four game. I just didn't need to. Yeah, I think the game's changed a bit as well. I think there's more options now, because back then, it was like, you kind of had to, like, play the same card. Sideboard wasn't as crazy, but nowadays, like, there's so many good tech cards that I think sideboard's way more important as well. I think that sort of raises an interesting question of how do you guys go about sideboarding into such an open format and such an open event when we really do have this widespread at the top, assuming it stays that way after American Nats? How do, you, how do you side, Benny? Because you're pretty good at siding from locals. You always have, like, the good stuff. Oh, honestly, yeah. Obviously, you side on what you think you need to side in, you're right? You know, you got to use the... <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just saying, like, you just side in ge ge generic stuff. Like, obviously, if, you ex if you're bad into, like, Cell Surge, obviously, you got to side the Boris, right? Like, I think, yeah. I think you look at, you'll look at a deck list. I think, like, majority of people's deck list will have, like, three Sane Instincts and three Deboras in the sideboard, because I don't think anyone likes the Cell Surge matchup. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, like honestly, like yeah. what Glenn said, you can play the matchup perfectly and still lose because yeah. Cell Surge is gonna rip your hand away, and then yeah. you know, like, yeah, have a good day. That's pretty much it. And honestly, like honestly, if you want to side in something really good, like Quetzalcoatl is really good to side in. Obviously, yeah. hits mm -hmm. almost 
don't know how many of the so decks, many but, oh, flood oh, gates, oh, so, so many, many decks. Yeah. Yeah. I hate that card. I, I hate that card's up banned, but anyway, that's a, that's yeah. a really nice hey, fun fact. It, it didn't get banned. It also it got, got reprinted twice print, instead. And, and then <laughs> it got reprinted yeah. twice. Mystic booster. Yeah. I mean, all booster these. Back. All the U3 brothers are gone except Koitsukai, So yeah. A little Koitsukai. robot tin can. Yeah, robots doing good. Honestly, yeah. So those two cards are probably like you should definitely consider siding. Like, so they're just really generically yeah. good, and you know you'd have to lose to sell as well. Just yeah. yeah. I I will say another tip that I always have and something I try to instill in me whenever like a newer player is asking like, hey, how do I side? How do I build a side? Is focus on the matchups where your sideboard is actually going to make a difference. Yep. If you've got a matchup yep. where you're going to lose that matchup like 80-20 or something and your sideboard can only push you to like 70-30, that's not going to really matter. Or if you've got to say on the other hand where, you, where you're winning 80-20 and that sideboard gives you like an extra 5%, that's not going to matter much either. You really want to focus on those ones where you're either at like 40% to win and your sideboard pushes you over the line or you're like say 50-60% to win and your sideboard really locks up that uh locks up that slot or allows you to sort of counter what your opponent might be siding in to, to bring it back down to even or bring it back up to even so another thing about sideboarding I'll just quickly go over it like for those people like I'm actually like I think me and John like I think everyone here like playing Desert 3 I know me and John talk about yep. it all the time I love this we, have, we actually hate webcam best of one like 100%. in in a Online, especially we're playing for OCE online webcams, like best of three in sixty-five <laughs> minutes. It's actually not a lot of time. So even for even if you're playing in person, you should always know what your flex spots are. <laughs> you don't waste time actually sideboarding. You know what I mean? You know what cards you need to take out already. So go through your deck list, look at the ratio. Just say, oh, if I'm versing, I'm playing Cell Surge. I'm versing like Soul Strike uh, or something like that. Like, what do I need to side in? What do I side out? Like, you ask yourself these questions already. <laughs> like. You don't think like, oh, you know, like five minutes gone, you know, you're actually just wasting time. So like, honestly, exactly. you should know, always know what your flex spots in the deck are, and then just get ready to size them out during the sideboard match. Yeah. yeah and I if do. you know they're, oh, sorry. No, you go, you go, you go. Oh, it's just following up from what Benny said. Also, if you know they're on the table at the end of your game, like say, it's like, all right, cool. I know I'm siding out my negates because I won't need them in this matchup. If you've got some negates in your energy or your drop, chuck them out. Don't even bother putting them back in your deck. Just put them to the side. Chucking your sideboard, save yourself a bit of time there as well. You don't have to go searching for them. My tip for that would be have your entire sideboard sleeved up in the same color sleeves as your main yeah. deck, so you don't have to fuck I, around. I'm not gonna lie, it is actually so troll that some people don't sleeve the side deck. I just don't get that at all, because it's yeah. like you're already dumping so much money to play the card game. Just buy a pack of sleeves, man. Come on, it's like the cheapest thing. Yeah. But um, but honestly, with sideboarding, I um, I think everyone said like correct things. Like, well, yeah, a hundred percent, like. You have to be optimal with your sideboard. There's no point, like, if you're going to win a matchup anyway, you don't need to be like, oh, dude, if I put this card in, he has, like, a 1% chance of winning. It's like, who cares? You're probably going to win anyway. And same yeah. with, like, you want to just make, you want your sideboard to be able to make, like, the close matchups way more favored for you. That's the big thing about the sideboard, I think. Which, honestly, I don't particularly think I'm good at sideboarding myself, but um, I've gotten a little bit better. So it's like, Benny just tells me what to do. John Koitsukaz goes, okay, I'll put it in the side. Uh, <laughs> I love sideboarding. Being able to play with an extra 15 cards, you know? Yeah, it, feels, it does feel good. If you're not using it, like, yeah, uh, that's fine. That's, that's fine. You're just missing out on some freebies. You don't, you yeah, don't you need literally are, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what are we, like, in saying in the same conversation, then what are we thinking, yeah. like, a lot of sideboard inclusions would be? So you mentioned, uh, say, an Instincts, the tap to draw yeah. two. You mentioned Deborah for the cell surge, yeah. which is I think pretty standard. Cell surge, you know, no Koitsukai as well. Yeah. I think yep. like, Koitsukai. We're lucky because black has gotten a lot of just like obviously black's meant to be the generic like sideboard staple color, yeah. but there's actually so many like generic good sideboard cards you can consider. Like Meki Kibura's one, literally like oh this guy plays a bus monster, I play Meki Kibura. Yes. I say oh yeah you can't yeah. play your like a big one obviously is playing Meki Kibura and calling Broly four because they literally cannot play the game how they're intended to, which is nice. Um, another th another sleeper card on the sideboard, I can't remember the name of this card, but it's like yep. a Supreme Kai counterplay, or it's like, when your opponent plays a battle card, you play this for one energy, it draws a card, and in the counterplay skill, it says your opponent and yourself <laughs> for the next two turns, or the, not the next two, for the next turn, can't attack with battle cards, energy costs two or less. That card is yep. so insanely good, yeah. and every deck can play it. That's a card. Original anniversary box, correct? Yep. The original one. I can't yep. remember the name of yep. it, but it's actually... Oh got three of those in foils i'm like i love that card. Oh, it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's god tier into aod it's god tier yeah. into AOD. yeah it's that card is actually snapped this is like so 
literally, if you're going, like, let's just say now hypothetically, you pull that in, you won game one, you're chilling, your opponent's going for the opponent's going first, they do one, they can't attack you, or whatever, turn two, there might be a lot of aggro deck, whatever, you just pass your turn one, I've got an energy up, they play any card, yeah, I play that card, I'm going to draw a card, and you're not attacking me, by the way, thanks for coming, the store so, is closed. <laughs> the card, just, just for viewers at home, the card is Supreme Kai of Time, Time Disruptor, Counterplay, play this card, and battle cards with energy cost or two or less cannot attack until the start of your opponent's next turn. And it's got an order when you play this card, draw one card. So even as a floor, it's just a cantrip. It is and it's a 5k it, combo. Yeah, well. and it's 5k combo. Yeah, so they swing leader and you just combo it off and you don't take that damage either. Exactly. The card that's good for is against Gogeta Zeno, where they're chilling with the one drops Goku and Vegeta. Yeah. So that's a really good that matchup. Very, very good card. I think um, Dark Vow Black Marseille. Probably yep. still see some sideboard play. There's the, the cell search player. Oh, there's the cell search. Bro, I'm, I'm mainboarding that in cell search. Oh, you, yeah. Like, honestly, on turn three, right, I'm going into my unison, and then I'll just surge awaken and play the one drop before I make you discard any cards, and then go for your yeah. Deburas. Um, go for it, bro. Like, I'm happy for <laughs> you to do that. Like, it, it doesn't, realistically doesn't bother the Cell Search player at all, the Deboras. If they make it to turn three without dying, then yeah. they're a good chance to win the game. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, I think that, um, that card's a good, probably, add in the main of Cell Search, because it also gives you the option to self-awaken if you need to be, get down to four life so you can yeah. do your, um, surge abilities. And obviously, it counters the card that counters your deck, it's pretty good, pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the, that's the alternative way to play against Cell, is to not let them go to four because then they can't actually use their surge skill. But yeah. if they see the nine drops and stuff, they'll just take their life They're anyway. Chilling. So it's yeah, not... Yes, yeah. yeah, it's, it's just such a gross deck. Yeah. I'm trying to think of other just good sideboard cards. I can't think of any more. I mean... Uh, depending on what color you're playing. We can go yeah. through it like one by one yeah. if you want. Like if you're really interested in the topic. You want to start off with like red maybe? Red? Red's interesting because red's got really good floodgates. Like for example, topo is yeah. pretty good. You don't normally main... Oh, depending on your deck, you main topo. And then you got violent rays as well. That's like both oh. those cards are like meta dependent. Um, got a couple of yeah. sweepers, the Goku that's getting reprinted, the Vegeta yep. that clears all 20k or less, so those are, those are a couple of good ones. Oh, the Kayaken and the... Um, yeah, yeah Kayaken actually. The 5 yeah, really yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's good. I think, I've, historically, whenever I played Red, I almost always ran two of them in the main anyway. Because yeah. Um, yeah. being able to like just pop something was also see. really handy, like get a barrier card off. But um, what else for Red? I don't know if people would be main boarding the Vegeta's, King Vegeta's imposing presence is that yeah, what it's called I yeah, think yeah. That's no, a, no, yeah no. i think that's a mainboard card that card's just too good the fact that it's free if it wasn't free it would be sideboard but the fact that it is free i think like most red saiyan leaders run two to three copies in the main and usually a third one on the side that's like that makes yeah. sense mm. they're good cards oh main one is broly crown you know I mean, Broly crown yeah, yeah that's like the that's yeah, yeah. true true the most yeah. obvious one true true yeah, you gotta look at will's hand and find that repost you know so. yeah <laughs> which one <laughs> Probably got two or three. I don't know. Yeah, it's funny how that's come back because yeah. we spent quite a lot of time where no one would ever hold up like two energy, mm, so yes. it was essentially irrelevant. But now we're sort of back into a slightly slowed down, more mid rangey kind of yeah. meta. It feels like, and so that card actually has way more value than it used to. I think another card for red, a card I quite liked to run because uh, I tested Broly BL this week and I put played this in my sideboard. In theory, it was good. I still think it's a good uh, Beerus Ball. I think it's just a very solid yeah. test, like mainly because a lot of the floodgates are like ten, like less than fifteen k power, like ignoring mm. Topo. So I think it hits a lot. Even um, a big thing it hits as well is um, one of the the best card, one of the best negates. Sorry, nowadays is the um token negates. So yes. um, being able to hit that is quite good when they like yeah they get the attack and you also clear the blocker just using that card. So I think that's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, I was if I was going to suggest focus breakthrough as all like an option yeah. for green, yeah. which is essentially green, yeah, fits yeah. the same sort of slot um as beer as well. I think they're both good cards in certain situations. They can be really good. Kamehameha and black as well. Yeah, super. Yeah. That. that card's more. That's. I think that card's slowly becoming a staple for aggro black decks. Yeah, 100%. I think it's main board. Uh, that's a main board card. Yeah. 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 yeah, Benny. Benny's probably got two or three copies of that in the main board. He's got that like thing, like full on foiled. You know, he's chilling. He's already placed his order for the new uh, Mythic Booster foil. You know, for that card. Yeah. Oh, collector's company. You know, yeah. for that. <laughs> <I'm> watching right <laughs> yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> Of course, of course. Sh shameless um, plug coming in, you know. Like, yeah. shameless All right, so <laughs> what do we side for yellow then? Yellow Ooh. has so many options, man. Yellow is like... Yeah, yellow is options. Honestly, with yellow's options being as good as they are, it's mainly just plugging your um your your main deck holes, I guess. Like, if you're not running the new Goku counterplay in the main, 
run it in the side if your deck can support it. If you think you're going to need more uh, power of a Super Saiyan, plug that up. The one that I will consider is uh, Nimbus, just because Yellow's best negates are, at the moment, Repost, and Freeze's Army Reinforcements, which is the token negate for Yellow, for those who are unaware. And those are both pretty... not They are either hard-countered by the negates that we mentioned before, so like your uh, Beerus Balls, your Super Kamehamehas, or they're at least heavily impeded by it. Having Nimbus, which is a purely spell yeah. negate, is very nice. They're also uh, pretty good there. Yeah, also very weak to Koitsukai as well. Yeah, so I was going to say. Yeah, I knew I was missing a big one there, but having the uh, the Nimbus there, which is like one of the better spell-based floodgates we still have access to, is another consideration. Um, Power of the Tree, I believe, is a new SR. Some people are high on that. I'm not Power as much tree. personally. The new, the, the, the Goku... Oh, the Goku. Oh, I've actually got this copy. I was actually talking to him yeah. about Benny. I think... Oh, oh no, yeah, not yeah. that one. The, uh, yeah, the, one. the new SR Negate, the one where, like... The yeah, three-drop one. Yeah. The new... The oh, one that has him with... Forbidden Power. Forbidden Power. Forbidden Power. Oh, yeah, there we go. I also yeah, have this card right here. <laughs> yeah, that one. Um, Some some people are reasonably high on that. I'm not myself, but if you've got a deck that, say, has, like, a lot of blockers or something, like, say, if you're on uh, the, the Yellow Trunks deck, if you've managed to crack that... If so, let us know. I'd be very interested to see that. But uh, something like that, yeah, it's worth playing your main deck holes. I think that card's arguably pretty good in... Like, we are talking about it briefly before, Sin Shenron. Yeah. I think that card's really good in Sin Shenron because that deck yes. is actually like blocker dot deck plus big dragons go... Uh, <laughs> I think like that's that. a very, very powerful synergy, actually, yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, Yellow just has too much stuff, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Yellow's well, chill. And the, the last two cards I want to mention, just because I can really break open some uh, matchups, are King Slug. The, the one that stops your opponent from drawing? Lord Slug, Lord Slug. The, Lord Slug, sorry. I knew I got that wrong, but I, I want to say it commonly. Uh, Lord Slug stops drawing, absolute annihilation, the one that taxes yeah. extra cards. Yep. I mean, usually most yellow decks are playing one or two in the main board, but bolstering up your numbers there, or if you don't have the space, yeah. really, really good. You just side in the better one for the matchup, depending, right? Exactly. Yeah, you go up one, down the other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's... Yeah. If yellow, yellow has so many good cards for the side. I think... Mm -hmm. um, Blue arguably has, like, not the most sideboard options, I feel like. I feel like the only card that's like, comes to mind when I'm thinking of, like, oh, if I'm playing Blue, what card do I actually want to side in? The only card I really can think of is, like, Mafubar at best. I don't think Blue has that yeah. good sideboard options. You side in uh, Ball Ghost, you know, if you're worried Ball about Ghost. the mirror match, you know. So Hello, opponent. Uh, another really good card to side in uh, Blue is, you know, you got to get rid of your hate. So, oh, it's a multicolor card, though. Does that, does that count? Like, Skill Sharpened? Skill Sharpened. The Piccolo it. Gohan? Yeah, the Piccolo Gohan skill. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of blue. You can get blue. I can't. Like, if you're okay. playing blue, if you're not signing yeah. that, I don't know, man. You're probably not yeah. worried about your hate cards, you know, like because yeah. a lot of people are gonna sign in, like I don't know, like what Kami, Weiss. Yeah, Borgo. You, know, you, like you name all those untapped hate. Like honestly, yeah. if you're not signing skill yeah. sharpen, I don't know what you're doing. Yeah, but, the only the only reason I say it's like blue doesn't have that many sideboard cards. Blue already like, I feel like a lot of blue builds are kind of like set in stone to an extent. Like you're playing yeah. like. You're yeah. playing like 20 of the same, like 20 cards in every blue deck, no matter what archetype it is, it's yeah. always the exact same. I feel like there's not that much flesh yeah. to them for blue. I feel like a lot of the sideboard cards you see in blue are mainly just black cards and like maybe drapes yeah. and stuff like that, so I think blue. Outside yeah. again, Mafubar, I'm maybe striving to be the best, but that card is just the worst of the card we were talking about before, so I don't feel like there's that much for blue. Yeah. I, most blue decks have been shaving a number of the trunks counterplay in the main, so just packing the extra yeah. ones inside for decks where you expect like a big threat like a foo or something is probably yeah, yeah. reasonably wise. You know, if you're only running three beams in the main, which I've seen people do, whack the fourth one in the side. But mm. blue's power comes from its actual power, not from its flexibility or variety, I think. Yeah, I, I agree with that statement. That's pretty, I agree with that, yeah. One thing I was going to say about siding, um, do you guys think that you could like fall into the trap of you've just lost your first game and do you have to sort of analyze did i lose this game for just sort of bad draws or bad luck or like could could you you know it, surely it's pretty easy to oversight and you're trying to Absolutely. correct problems that haven't haven't really existed and you just lost because you know you just got bad luck like a lot of i'm sure a lot of people would do that just try and like fix yeah. problems that didn't really exist in the first place mm -hmm. yeah i, I um, think oh yeah you know you go well you go yeah well, I think with sideboarding, there are really two loose ways you can do it. And it's as Benny was saying before, you want to figure out where your flex spots are. You want to see what comes out, comes in. Now, the thing is that there are basically two ways you can side. It's either getting good cards in or getting really bad cards out. For an obvious example there is if you're against a mill deck, 
you're probably wanting to get out a, some number of your draw cards because those are just going to be dead or detrimental in the matchup, especially if they're off-color. You know, if you're playing Soul Strike, you maybe want to cut some of your draw apes, for example, there. You may not have the best cards against Mill because it's a pretty fringe deck at the moment, but you just want to take those out to get something more impactful in. The other way is just, you know, okay, I'm against Cell Surge, I need to get in my Genemis, I need to get in my draw apes. What do I cut for that, for example? And it's just figuring out what's your core engine pieces and what are your flex spots. And ideally, what's something that's both a flex spot and bad in the cell matchup. You know, it's something that uh, forces you to discard yourself, for example. Like if you were in yellow and main decking Nimbus, that's a card I'd cut immediately. Stuff like that. Yeah, I think it's um, it's something that kind of takes time. I don't think a new player will be able to be like, damn, I just lost this game. I have to siding X, Y, and Z, right? I feel like it just comes like slowly understanding it's like all right i lost this game because i made a misplay this turn for example it's not because of the cards i was playing i think i could have won that game if i didn't do that so it's definitely something that comes with more experience i guess because i feel like i feel like players like players that are new and trying to starting to learn siding because new players probably wouldn't side at the start but once players are starting to try and get used to sideboarding they could easily fall into the trap like oh no i need to put this card in this card was so bad so it's like, yeah, I think it's just something that comes with time, really. That when you get comfortable, like, knowing what cards you don't need in a certain matchup. Yeah, I think, um, obviously, understanding the reasons why you lost a game are a big part of then understanding, like, what you should side and, when, like, how you should side. Because you can, as, as we were saying with Blue, like, Blue doesn't necessarily have that many things that it would want to put in the sideboard, except for perhaps things like ratios like when you're building your deck if you're trying to keep it under like 53 or 54 cards and you're really uncertain about that third copy of x or y card then it's more than likely going to find its place in your sideboard and in certain matchups you're going to feel like if i just had that third copy of x card that maybe would have been a, a difference maker so i'm going to try and get that into my deck for the next matchup but um yeah it just it often just depends on, on what you're playing against because if it's if it's like a cell surge matchup then you just go on straight for your deburas and your draw apes and stuff that's pretty straightforward yeah. um but in a in a more 50 50 matchup you're like shit i just really needed that one extra negate um so you're going to yeah. get that out of your sideboard and get it in into your deck yeah. mm -hmm. mm. so one thing i want to talk about so you know we've talked about picking the best deck what's you know what are the best decks that are? we talked about siding you know like obviously you know you, you got to play optimally throughout the day you got to get lucky as well that we've mentioned you know what what do you guys think are some things that you can do outside of actually playing the game when you're sitting down that can that can give you advantage over you know other players like for me personally like you know preparation is huge for these big events like you know one like like i would like each of you guys can just give a piece of advice on on what you know what what your preparation is and like what you guys do before an event maybe it could be like something like uh what's the what's the word like uh superstitious you know that you like like doing like for me like getting a proper sleep is is huge yeah. like a lot of guys would stay up late testing all night you know trying to cram in sort of uh practice but you know you got to have a good sleep you got to get you know like at least get your eight hours and also another thing for me is putting like fresh sleeves on right before the event like i get sort of I get clammy hands and like, you know, if you don't put fresh sleeves on, like the cards will clump up and you, you know, your, your deck might not shuffle properly towards the end of the day. And like, you gotta, you gotta have fresh sleeves. So fresh sleeves and a, and a big sleep. What do you guys reckon is really important just to give you the edge? Just in case people are wondering, you can buy sleeves on collectorscompany.com.au. Right. <laughs> you can buy all your card game needs from collectorscompany.com. Yeah. The sleeves are like, um, doodle is like shipping shipping across the world is like really suffering and um australia is copying it in terms of freight and so a lot of uh your dragon shield and stuff like that is is, is uh getting like we might run out of sleeves one day but yeah it's uh, a lot of a lot of a lot of stuff's waiting on ports the great so. sleeve shortage of <laughs> i can't believe the shortage so, of sleeves oh, it's if, you, if you see if you, oh, if you well, need a top loaders man top loaders are impossible to get for yeah, a while yeah, that is true sure. that is true i reckon uh benny you want to go first what's your like how do you prepare I was gonna say, me and John are probably thinking the same thing. Like, you know, when I wake up in that morning, we're gonna drink a coffee, all right? A coffee. If you're not drinking, co a if you're not drinking a coffee, you can't think straight, you know. So, like, for those coffee lovers out there, you know, grab yourself a nice cup of coffee, you know, and just enjoy yourself. Coffee, yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> what about you? Will? What do you do? What do you do? So, I have two things. Sort of one directly game related, one not. The game-related one is know your cards, know your rulings, especially in a webcam event where you're not going to be able to look at your opponent's cards. 
you're going to need to take time to look it up, knowing as many of the popular cards in the format is a big thing, and also just, especially for your own deck, knowing some of the weird edge case rulings, is there something you're unclear about, reach out to your local judge, uh, reach out to the judge groups or the DBS community group on Facebook if you've got access to those. As for the second thing, especially if you are playing a slower deck, bring food, bring water. Make sure you have got that on you. There will be games where you'll get paired up against that do-nothing baby control player. That player is usually me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you'll have this round that'll go completely to overtime. You'll have no time to get lunch or anything like that, or even tell a mate to go get you lunch. Make sure you've got at least a snack or something on you. And then if things get really bad, just be like, yo, I'm taking a long time in my rounds. Hey, man, from locals, can you get me some KFC or something? I'll pay you back. Less of a thing at home, but definitely for our yeah. in-person in yeah, 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 definitely. But yeah. you, Glenn, what's what's the ritual for Glenn? Or what do you do? <laughs> like, what's your thing? No, I'm the opposite, man. Like I, I tend to not test and not think about what I'm doing until I <laughs> show up to the event. Because, I don't know, like historically in my life, I never studied for exams and <laughs> I never really practiced for anything. And I tended to just do better because I have a a weird mental block where I feel like I tunnel vision on stuff too much. So if I'm playing a certain, if I, like I'm, so if I've settled on a deck, I know more or less what my decent matchups are and what my bad ones are. But if I feel like if I am practicing or testing against what I feel are my bad matchups to try and get a better hang of how it's going to play out, then I'm so concerned and so over tunneled on those things that I'll sit down opposite someone that's playing a completely left field deck or something I haven't bothered to test against because I felt confident against it and I'll just bottle the whole thing. So rather than do any of that, I tend to just, you know, just open my deck box and, and sit down and see how we go, which isn't good advice, but that's just how I <laughs> tend to is, play. Yeah. Oh, that, that's good. <laughs> that's advice, like... I think for me, I've got um two things. The first, for gaming related, just make sure you like have an understanding of mainly what your deck does. Because even if you don't know what every um what every deck in the room does, just you you should be able to solve the puzzle of how do I win this game with my deck. You should know that for sure. That's one thing. Just kind of understand how your deck builds. And the other thing, it's more of like a personal mental thing. Um, you kind of have to like set the reality for yourself in your like your mind. If you go into a tournament thinking, oh man, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna scrub out, I'm gonna go 0-2, chances are that's probably gonna happen. I feel like um. Because historically, I've won a lot of events in Australia, and I've every event I've gone to, especially my first one, I always, I always thought to myself, I'm gonna, I'm gonna win this event. I'm gonna take home that shit. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna, I have to hype myself up. Because if, if you don't believe you're gonna win the event, who, who's gonna tell you that? Oh, you're gonna win, man. You, like you have to like believe in yourself and put push yourself over the edge, saying that I am gonna win this tournament today. I feel like it's a very just you have to have confidence in yourself. I think that's a big thing, as well. Yeah, com confidence is a huge thing. Like in terms of also interacting with your opponent, like if you you know, you need to be like me. I get, you know, I get in, like intimidated in a way if I was like playing a game against someone and I think that they know more than me. You, like, you just have to be, you have to don't see your opponent as like, but don't be scared of them, this sort of thing. Just like, you know, you have to be confident in what you're doing and that'll like rub off on, you know, the plays you make and just like, just yeah, get rid of uh, self doubt. It's a huge one. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah I think, I um, oh, oh, I was going to say, I just, I think like, there's a bit of gamesmanship in in tabletop gaming and cards, especially when when you're sitting across from someone, not necessarily bluffing, um, as in poker, but you know you, you can do things where you like leave an energy up or you you have certain cards in your hands and the way that you sort of display yourself with your body language and your like your appearance to the opponent player, you can make them second guess if they're really going to be able to shotgun for game and do things like that because you're sitting there looking super confident and you're on one life with like four cards in hand and they're like ah. Oh, shit, I don't know if I can actually kill this dude. Yeah. Um, but in webcam events, I've just, I get, I'm so less excited to play in webcam because it just doesn't have that same feeling. Like I'm not yeah. sitting opposite the person. I'm not looking at them, looking at their hands shaking as they nervously riffle through their cards, calculating their combo power. I'm like, nah, dude, I got this. In webcam, it's not the same. Webcam, <laughs> yeah, it's really webcam. Not, no. I'm not gonna lie. If I was sitting across Glenn, I would feel pretty intimidated. Oh shit! Okay, dude. Uh... Hey, Glenn, Glenn's like Glenn's a big boy, right? Like, you know, like for those that don't know, actually, Glenn. If he, once he gets his webcam, you'll know. Like, oh, Glenn's tattoos are thick, and like, you know, yeah. like he's he's a big boy. Like, you know, like well, I'm pretty small, so like. I don't know. <laughs> but he Glenn's... goes for a card. Glenn's like, I'm sorry, what did you say? I'm starting. With... No, your turn's finished, man. It's my turn. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. The, the, the so, bubbing is funny. Yeah, so, like, honestly, pre preparation is really important. So, I don't know. Are we actually going to go talk about, like, strategies that you should, like, how you should pre prepare for, like, Nats and stuff? Um, I think it's, 
I think we can talk about. I just kind of briefly what we're talking about, like again for like just practicing, right? Like obviously the only way you improve at something is practicing. Also, this is actually a pro tip. This is like life advice. What I'm about to say that you can do (laughs) if you do shit on your own, it will take way too long. Yeah. So you're only one person, yeah. So the secret is that you get you you play with other people. You hear other people's opinions. You be open minded. You hear what other people have to say. You're a one person. You can only get so much information. Like let's just say for example, yeah. you're starting a company. For example, right? You're starting on your own. You do some couple moves correct. That's great, fantastic. You make a, a couple mistakes here and there. It is what it is. Whatever. All right. If you have a team of three or four people in that one year of you starting the company, you literally have four times the amount of experience. That is crazy. Just work together with people, and you will elevate everyone. It's not about being the best it's about being in the group of the best people yeah because you can only get so far on your own you need like help you need to help others help you get better at this game that is correct wise, uh, wise words. Words. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah also just to touch on something basically uh what glenn said before like the word net deck like honestly i love net decking like i don't think there's anything wrong with it like i said um i don't know if everyone here who is actually watching or listening to this podcast do work full-time or like do they have the time to actually practice and play? Unfortunately for me, I actually don't. Apart from going to locals, I actually don't play a lot of cards. So, like, I know the guys in America, they test a lot and, like, you know, do all the testing for you, like, and they get the results as well. So, you know, those, those results are, like, you know, established results. So, you know, they, they've gone through really good players to actually get their top cut placing. And, you know, like, if you can basically take the idea and just be able to pilot the deck and, you know, adapt and change like honestly that saves you a lot of time like yeah. basically what john said as well like basically someone is putting in the effort for you yep. not saying that you have to if you don't want yeah. to but there is also yeah. nothing wrong with it because i know a lot of people always say oh did you net deck i'm like if i did yeah. there's nothing wrong with it like just saying like for yeah. those people like you know if you do want to take a deck idea from someone don't be afraid to like net deck like and if people like to talk um smack just let them do it you know like some people are like that you know you don't you don't need to be like toxic and stuff and just like yeah i did and you know just be open about it though like give always give credit to where credit is due yeah exactly yeah sort of on the other end of that spectrum and something that i wasn't able to do as much coming into this tournament because we all assumed it would be best of one here in australia being a webcam event we only recently learned best of three is a really good tip i actually learned from a, a magic player not a dbs player is once you've got your build more or less locked in, you know, you've got like 85, 90% of your main board, start playing not only pre-boarded sideboard games, but also make a deck that is like the perfect deck for what you're fighting. So, you know, you know, you're on like, say, Soul Striker, for example, you know, you're going to be playing against of like a lot of Cell Surge, a lot of Red Broly, a lot of Gogeta Zeno that we mentioned. So imagine like, okay, you, you, a fortune teller has come to you and he has said, hey, if you play Soul Striker, you will play nothing but Cell Surge for the entire tournament. 100% of your matchups are going to be Cell Surge. How would you build your deck if that were the case? And you do the same thing for Red Broly, you do the same thing for Gogeta Zeno, and then when it comes time to actually lock in a sideboard, you know what you're building towards. Like, all right, how do I get as close to this as I can with the, you know, five cards of allotted for Cell Surge or the three cards of allotted for Red Broly? Like, what really overperformed, what really underperformed, what were the heavy hitters, and I think that's a really good bit of advice that if you've got the time, can really, really pay off for you. Yeah, to, to John's point, I guess we're just going back around giving tips again, but to John's sure. point, um, like if you're a newer player or perhaps a less experienced or less confident player, whatever happens to be the case, and you're playing at a locals, um, at least here in Australia, like all of the locals that I've been to, everyone's been like quite friendly and quite welcoming. And there has tended to be one to two better players at each locals, yeah. right? They're like the established guys that typically win most weeks or are playing in the, the winner match each week. And just ask them, yeah, just ask them for tips or ask them, you know, I after your game's over, be like, on this turn, you know, I made this play. Do you think that was correct or what would you have done differently? And like, that's a way that you can kind of learn because if anyone plays video games or does any of those things and plays at a relatively decent level, like on a ranked ladder or whatever, one of the best ways you can improve is to sort of watch your VODs and like critique your own matches and Mm -hmm. see like I made a really shitty decision at this point or I should have done this thing differently here you just do the exact same thing with card Mm -hmm. games and like on turn two I made this play I should have not 
tapped out or I should have not played that yeah. card. And that would have meant that I had a better option going into the, the following turn. So that's a really good thing. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, just asking. Oh, and then actually on Benny's point about net decking, if one of the things I would say about net decking is your best option if you're, if you're wanting to net deck is to try and wait until you can see a video with uh, an interview of the person that played that mm, deck because yeah, they, will often, yes. they will often break down the deck fairly well, give you a decent idea as to why they played certain cards. But the most important thing is they'll be able to, more often than not, they'll get asked, all right, what cards didn't perform? What cards yeah. would yep. you probably take out? <laughs> yep. And yep. then yep. and they'll say, oh, this, this card was bad. This card was bad. I probably should have run you know, one more of this card. And then when you're essentially net decking yeah. their deck you can take their yeah. own advice after they've just played a you know a two-day event and yeah. you can go all right cool well they said they wouldn't run this they'd drop that they'd add this and then you've got the more or you've got the essentially more optimized version of the deck that they just hit top yeah. cut with so that's that's the best way to yeah. do it i will say sort of leading off of both the points we had there when it comes to testing a deck unless it is a case it actually i would say even if it is a case where they've given you the optimization Always pl play a few games with the deck yeah. uh, as built, just so you can understand exactly where it is. Especially if you think there's like a weird card there that you wouldn't put in there. See how it plays, see how it feels. And then you can know, okay, is this right for me? Is this not? And the other thing with testing, don't be... Like, testing is not about winning. It's about seeing what your deck can do. So if yep. your training partner is like, oh, actually, I think I could do this better. Do you mind if I take that back? let them and hope they give you the similar courtesy or even if you've got like a final kill turn that they play out and you lose the game and you're just like hang on i think i could have done this differently if i negated here rather than here or if i use my super combo earlier or later or whatever rewind that turn back to the start play it through there and say like okay was this as close as i thought this was or did they really have me in the squeeze and i need to like just not get into this position to begin with um, I was gonna say I'm yeah. very oh sorry I was I was gonna say I'm yeah. very guilty of actually doing that I know like for yeah. John and Will who's always played me I actually mm. asked them like you know during our yeah all the time oh, this right. is what happens at locals <laughs> Benny's like John I don't know what to do I'm sitting there one life two cards in hand Benny's got like a whole essay in his hand he's telling me John I don't know what to do and I'm just sitting there oh I don't know Benny I think nah, you've got this dude it, it's it, fine it's, it's, it's not as bad as that honestly like I'm saying not those kind of situations <laughs> generally those ones I can figure out myself but sometimes oh. I, I often ask them like I know this week yeah. I asked him as well like oh the, the option was if I played Repost, apparently I would have lost, says John. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I asked I him you to it. play Repost, and I would have won. It would have been great, but instead I just got clapped like I do every week. Benny, just let me win one local. It's been like two months, yeah, please. I was going <laughs> to say, I did, I, did the, I did pick the right card to play, which was the Steadfast Goku. So I was like, oh, okay. We talked about it afterwards, though. Like, like mm. taking constructive criticism based on like yeah. what uh, Glenn said before as well. Like, yeah. ask, always ask for feedback. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's how you improve. Yeah, I would say also, especially any time when you've got a choice, like uh, an example I'll give is casting Broly Crown, right? Yep. A lot of the time you'll cast that and they'll just have like a topo in their hand and you'll just, oh, okay, well, it's the only negate, cool, I'll take the topo, I'll swing him for win. But if you're sitting there and you're in a testing match, obviously don't do this in the tournament, and your, your opponent's got, like, say, a couple of different negates and you're really agonizing over the pick, you just go to your opponent and be like, hey, look, which of these would you really not want me to take if I was in your position? <laughs> and if they're like an honest testing partner and they're wanting to improve with you, they'll be like, well, look, I reckon you should take card B here because honestly, card A is really only going to get me out of a situation if things break well anyway. This is going to give me like a better chance to get myself back into the game if I survive the turn and that sort of thing. Mm. Stuff like that is very good and it allows you to learn the other side of the matchup as well, which can be very valuable, especially if you're testing partners on a more popular deck. Yeah. Just uh, one thing I want to bring up before we sort of start wrapping up. Um, so on the subject of tips, Benny is the freshest off. He's the he's mm. the freshest off a off a win out of all of us. Yep. Um, well, out of you guys. Uh, so Benny, what what's the what's your tip for handling the pressure in those sort of finals games where, or it could be a feature match, or it could be you know top cut. Like, have you got any tips for handling the pressure? Like, it's it's because it's me personally. I I crumble if there's like you know if I was playing you know something like if, if I was playing Digimon at locals and there's this guys come around like about five or six guys standing around the table my mind blocks like I you know I really struggle to get through that have, like obviously it comes with 
you know, you guys are really experienced mm-hmm. players, so more yeah. confident you are in your decks, more confident you are in your players, you, you know, you'll be able to act better under pressure. But have you got any, uh, any wise words for, for handling the pressure? Honestly, I think for like us experienced players, like I don't know, for, I don't know about, like for me, like I don't really feel pressured playing against mm. like a specific person. It's more like I know some of the maybe like the matchup I'm not too comfortable with, but like overall, like I'm pretty relaxed. Like for anyone who's versed me, or like you know, like even in the finals, like I'm so relaxed. I'm always talking to my opponent. Some yeah. people say I might talk too much. I'm actually distracting them, but I apologize okay. Okay. Um, just in, in case I'm that guy. Like if you've seen any of my games at any like even high level event you'll you'll see me like everyone's like so serious they're like you know playing their game I, i'm actually always laid back and just like yo what's going on you know like, like if you know me in person that's actually the kind of guy i am so like i'm usually quite relaxed but maybe that might be a personality thing so would you say sort of trying to engage with your opponent and like you know talk to them yeah, yeah, how it's going yeah i honestly think like if you distract treat the person, them distract them put their cards <laughs> <laughs> yeah. all right i'm just saying like if you, Ask them how many to... cards I have in their hand six times in a row. I hate that. That actually triggers me so much. Does it that. actually does as well. Every time Soul Search yeah. players do that, I'm like, yep, I'm triggered. You know, yeah. but it is what it is, but you know, like, yeah. So honestly, I think like if you, when you talk to your opponent, you don't feel intimidated. So that yeah. might ease your pressure a little as well. So. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Also remember to uh, activate yeah. the skills on your leader before you awaken. Mm. <laughs> Because if you flip Facts. and don't do the yeah. stuff, the judge won't let you have the effect. Some judges yeah. are a bit, bit, uh, you know, yeah. a bit mean about that, but yeah. Yeah. I will yeah. always just declare that. I'll just be like, awaken, draw two, so that way there's like no... No questions. No, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, The tip I have in regards to nerves, though, is nerves are mostly going to come when you're losing, because if you're up ahead, as long as you're not getting too cocky, you're probably not going to be that that nervous, you know? If, you, if you're far yeah. ahead enough. Um, so it's honestly, and this also does apply a bit of in winning, play, play to your outs and play away from your opponent's outs. If you're going to get really nervous, you're thinking about like 50 different things, but if you can just focus like, okay, I need to stop this, 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 and this attack. I need to be able to drop this battle card. So all we're going to think about is how do I stop these three attacks and how do I keep this card in my hand? If you can just focus on that one thing, it's so much easier to tune everything out because you're not stressing about everything. You're just going like, I need to get from A to B. How do I get from A to B? And you can put all your mental focus and energy into that. Or alternatively, if you are winning, it's like, yep, I'm going to swing in. What could blow me out here? Nothing? Cool. Dumb hand. Dumb hand. So, oh, Vomit you could have all the cards. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. You could have Heroin's Lineage. Sweet. Let's try and bait Heroin's Lineage. That's all we need to do here. Yeah. That's funny. That's a good point. But anyway, yeah. guys, we've been on for a while now. We've been talking for over yep. an hour. This has gone for a pretty, pretty long. But um, if you actually Bad. stuck around the whole way, let us know. Type something. Um, type uh, Will likes vomiting cards, and then we'll know that you watched the whole podcast. So <laughs> anyway, guys, uh, I'm really happy just guys just just quickly before we go. So, yep. uh, what's the one deck that each person? What's what's person's one prediction on what's going to win the weekend? Just not not like a sort of like handful of decks, but what's the one deck you think is going to take right. it out? Will? I'm going to go for the Dark Horse. I reckon Red Brawley's going to spike it. All right. John? Mm, Golden Freezer, why not? Let's go, yeah, let's go for a Let's go for a fun pick. Don't throw me with a good time. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm going to go for a Rogue, I'm go for a rogue one as well. Sin. Ooh, Sin. okay. Uh, I think Gojira Zeno wins. Yeah, there you go. Everyone's on something different. Uh, all right. Anyway, um, see, you got to stay. You got to stay to the end for the uh, for the for good the, stuff. For this, yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, guys, thank you so much for watching. Um, yeah, let us know if you enjoyed the podcast. Feel free to ask anyone questions. And um, yeah, until next week, we'll do another episode. Then we'll see you all next time. See you guys. I'm waving, but you can't see me. Yeah, we, yeah. we can see. We can see.